You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda rhymes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and this episode is hosted by Ryan. We're pleased to present to you two incredible, talented folks on this podcast. In our very first segment, we welcome actor Lonnie Chavis. Award-winning actor Lonnie Chavis is known for his role as young Randall Pearson on the hit TV show This Is Us and is set to star in the upcoming film How I Learned to Fly, coming soon to theaters. In this touching story, Lonnie portrays a teenage boy who is high-functioning on the spectrum. The film explores themes of brotherhood, friendship, tragedy, and triumph, offering a heartfelt and authentic portrayal. In our second segment, we welcome comedian Dina Hashem. She's here to plug her new special, Dark Little Whispers, which premiered on Prime Video November 10th and is executive produced by fellow comic Sam Morrill. In this much-anticipated breakout hour of comedy, Dina discusses everything from death threats to existential dilemmas to relationship problems, quiet people, and her upbringing as the first-generation Arab-American. Dina is also a writer on Comedy Central's The Daily Show and can be heard voicing the reoccurring character Lambie on the comedian-actor Rami Youssef's upcoming animated Amazon series, Happy Family USA with A24, where she additionally serves as writer. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring Lonnie Chavis and Dina Hashem. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and you guys, I am so excited that we can get back to our favorite movies and TVs. I'm so excited that the strike is over. We got everything settled like we need it to be because you guys, I got one for your list today. I'm (laughs) telling you, get ready to your Google search, add it to your list, get your apps out. It's called How I Learned to Fly, you guys. And this one is going to cause so much discussion. If you haven't already started discussing about it, it came out December 1st. So hopefully you've already checked it out, sat down with the fam and listened to it. But it's just so many things about mental health, family, and just like when the struggle is real sometimes, who can you count on, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to start the discussion off a little bit here because I want to do, I want to talk about a quote from the movie that just stuck with me. It's called, where your thought goes, your energy flows. So I'm just going to give you guys that for a little bit to kind of think as we go through the discussion, because you can already hear them in the background, but we have one of the um, lead actors in the film and you guys, he's just killing it all over the place. We're talking about Lonnie Chavez. (laughs) Uh, Chavez. See, I said Chavez and he just warned me about it. So we got on here Chavez. (laughs) So you guys make sure you check it out. But Lonnie, I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for joining me. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. 
So, you know, before we really get into like all the different things you got going on, we got Bass Reeves, you know, people probably know you from This Is Us. Talk about like people who are not up on their game yet, don't know about how you just kicking it out here in Hollywood. Talk (laughs) about like how you got started. You know, what did you love about acting? Like what pulled you in to begin with? Man, when I when I first started acting, I remember I was just watching TV and me and my mom was just chilling and I always really wanted to be in the TV. I just always was wondering what the background was. I was always wondering what's happening in the TV. I just always wanted to be in that little TV box screen that you see. So I asked my mom, yo, what is this? Can I? How can I get into this? And she said it was called acting. And then I was heartbroken when I found out Mickey Mouse wasn't real. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then she got me an agency. She got me a manager, I'm pretty sure. I started going out in auditions and... It it really just took off for there. And then my love for it just began to grow. And I'm here today. Yeah, it's hard when you figure out like Mickey Mouse, all that stuff. Like it's a voice and there's other, you know, it's other production things behind it. You're like, oh, why you just gonna let me stay in the Disney magic? It's so so many aspects of it. Right. Yes. So many things that's going on. So, um, okay, let's dive into how I learned to fly. I'm going to get back to the other projects, you guys, because I got to make sure I give enough time to jump into this project really quick, because this is this is like so amazing and cool. And you get to see people like Cedric the Entertainer, Method Man in these very serious, dramatic roles that we don't always get to see them in. But I kind of want to talk about, um, you know, starting out, Lonnie, how did you kind of hear about the film? You know, what pulled you into your character? Like, were you like, I got to do this? Or like, what kind of talked you into it? Mm, I'm going to be entirely honest with you. I don't want to tell the story wrong, but I do remember, but I don't really remember. But I'm going to try. Okay. Okay. We ain't gonna hold you. We're not gonna hold him against it. Okay, you guys. We just gonna let him do whatever he remembers because he's he got too many projects. You guys, let him. We just gonna let him oh, go. Stop it. Oh, stop it. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Whatever you remember. We just we just want to hear whatever kind of uh, behind the scenes you can give us. Yes, ma'am. On every single role, not just this role. On every single role, my mom talks to me and sits sits me down before we get into it, and I read the script and everything. She tells me what what it's really about because she briefs over everything and then she briefs me over everything. Gotcha. So she really, I remember her sitting me down and talking to me about this role because this role is meaningful. I mean, when I first heard it, I was like, wow, <laughs> or just, right. just wow. I didn't, I've never played, I've never played a character like this before. I feel like this is really one of my most challenging roles I've ever done. So I feel like, hmm. This role is really a big step in my in my acting career. Yeah, and I mean, and that's not even an understatement, really. Like I was just, I didn't know. Sometimes I was like crying half the film. Other times I was just, I got angry, you know, because you just realize things that you don't have control over, you know, watching yeah. the film and things you don't you don't point out before. And then I don't want to give it away for so many people that really kind of want to dive into it, but. It's just so many times that you see somebody in need and you want to help. And it's and just like, well, what can I exactly. go ahead? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And you want to help, but there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of thing just really, I think is going to have the the audience like on the edge of their seats. Cause it's just like, Oh, somebody do something. Somebody help. Like even people that are in positions, like you talk about, um, you know, people in a position of authority, like the police and every, you know, like you just, you get so nervous and it's like, can anybody help? Can anybody do anything, you know, for these two brothers? Man. And I kind of want to ask you too, before we kind of go into the brother relationship, because that was phenomenal to watch. 
but just going into you know being on the um uh, dealing with autism being on a certain mm-hmm. amount of the on a certain area of the spectrum how did you do your research on that like were you were you already familiar with some of the behavior because in this film what I think was so amazing and how you played it was you can't really say a lot, right? Because of, yeah. you know, what, you know, the, um, I don't want to use like disorder because, you know, but he, because he was still kind of functioning. He was doing this thing. It was just in his own time and the way he wanted to ex- express mm-hmm. it. He's in his own but world. How did, yeah, in his own world. So how did you kind of put yourself into that? Because that is, that was, to me, seems very hard to kind of escape in that world for a little bit. Thank you. And that is also why I say this is definitely one of the most challenging roles I've ever done because I I didn't really have too much, how do I say, mm, I didn't really have too much information when I was first diving into it. But me and Mr. Simon sat down and we were doing all our research. We were looking up videos and then he opened up to me about somebody who he has as close to him that he loves that's also on the spectrum, but they're high functioning on the spectrum. And I have a cousin that's on the spectrum too, and he's high functioning. And with both of them, you wouldn't be able to really tell. You wouldn't be able to tell at all with, I mean, people that are around them would be able to tell with little details, but you can't really tell if you just walk by them in public, you just say hi, like you wouldn't be able to tell. So we really wanted to relay that and put it into the movie and put all the little details in and show you guys how you can't really tell. Yeah, and it's just, and Eli was so, and it's it's amazing that you say that, because when he first starts out, he just kind of looks like, you know, I just really don't want to talk to my brother, right? Like, I just yeah, really you just, don't. Yeah, you can't tell. It just yeah, looks like they have yeah. a love-hate relationship at first. Right, yeah, absolutely. And then um, when you bring in Daniel, played by uh, Marcus, who is just phenomenal, you guys probably seen um, mm-hmm. Blackish, like he's been all over the place. Um, what was that relationship like, kind of building that with him? And you got because you guys have to spend so many scenes and it's not like you guys are like two rooms apart. Like these are some intense emotional scenes Mm -hmm. and you guys are like right there face to face. How was that kind of building that connection with him? Man, Marcus is just brilliant. (laughs) Marcus is brilliant. We see each other in passing all the time, but this is our first time really working together, you know, firsthand up close. He's brilliant. He I feel like people are really going to be pleased and uh, pleasantly surprised with his uh, his acting in this because I feel like he has a really big range and he's normally doing comedy and no- nobody really sees him do drama so this is really going to open up a new gate for him but behind the scenes man we had so many jokes there were just so many I really <laughs> wish we had a blooper reel because there were just so many moments that if like if if nobody was recording it you wouldn't even believe it <laughs> that, yeah that yeah type. Yeah, right. and I, I was I was kind of hoping you guys had that because it was just so, you know, the subject matter is so intense. So I was hoping mm-hmm. there was a little way for you guys, you know, kind of, in a sense, take a breather behind the scenes and then get back to, you know, just how intense the drama was and everything. Um, I'm curious because you talked about how it was such a, you know, a push for you, something different you hadn't done for a role you hadn't done before. Mm-hmm. What would you say was the biggest challenge? It could be, you know, was it, you know, something on set? Was it location? you know, really diving into this character? What was it for you? I'll say, I'll say Eli, I'll say with Eli, I'll say the expressions and the little movements he does, because most of the whole movie, he doesn't really make facial expressions at all. It's really just the same bland face. So I had to make sure that I really put my effort into all the little things that he does. Like, I'm not, I don't really want to say any spoilers, but there's a lot of moments and a lot of scenes where it's just him and you see him just doing 
I mean, Eli things. <laughs> mm-hmm. he's, he's just in his own world. And I feel like that was probably the hardest part for me because it's the first time playing a character like that. And having to show expression without my face is honestly pretty hard to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did an amazing job at it. I was just Thank I was you. just blown away because like, I, you know, like with dealing with autism and just trying to think about people that are dealing with this, um, like you talked about your your personal connections to it. But just dealing with this on a daily basis and trying to communicate to people and they just don't understand or they don't have the patience to kind of understand. And I feel like you really went there, you know, and then dealing with his circumstances, like I said, we're not going to give too much away, but dealing with what he had to deal with. You might not actually think about it at first. You're thinking, okay, he just wants to be stubborn or he just doesn't want to talk. Or, you know, he's not trying, but, you know, because it could be seen that, you know, because everything else around him is kind of closing in, putting him in a box. So it was so interesting to kind of see you play that where it was like, okay, I'm going to give you guys this little bit of it, but I still want you guys to kind of dig and really figure out what Eli is about. Yeah. Yeah. He has his own story. He has his own little story. Mm hmm. Oh, uh, so let me go ahead. I'm gonna ask this last question and we're gonna get off it. Cause like I said, you guys go check out how I learned to fly. Like I said, get your apps out, do your Google search, figure out where it's playing near you. It's, it's in theaters now. Yes, um, ma'am. So um Lonnie, and, and I want to come oh, go ahead. comes on stars in February too. Hey, stars. Yes, all right, there we go. There we go. Check it out. See, look, he's giving you guys options. So look, you got no excuse. <laughs> I'm telling you, sit down with the family because this is going to bring out some discussions that I think are much needed. You know, we talk a lot about how, you know, mental health is not talked about mm. a lot in the black communities, you know, mm. minority communities. So I think this is really going to open up a discussion, you know, for everybody. So yes, please go check it out. Okay, last question because we don't want to spoil anything. So you guys um, have a lot to look forward to and check this out. But so I want to ask you, Lonnie, just to kind of wrap this part up, mm-hmm. what are you hoping people take away from it? Like, what are you hoping is that message where you're like, okay, cool. I did the thing. We're good. I hope they get this from this film. Hmm. I hope, I hope that people walk away from this film with gratitude. You know, I mean, the holidays are coming up. I feel like everybody nowadays is really worried about a lot of material stuff and worried about stuff that doesn't matter when in the movie you can see Eli and Daniel didn't have really anything all they had was each other and sometimes that's really all you need you don't need material stuff you don't need other stuff to make you happy you really just need family absolutely that's well said yeah you guys it's it's just it's really gonna make you it's definitely gonna make you grateful it's definitely gonna make you rethink you know about what's important love I thought was a big thing that I took away from it so, um, yeah, you guys, it's going to be awesome. So, yeah, definitely go check that out. All right, Lonnie, we got to talk about these other projects that you got going on. Specifically, yes, specifically, I want to talk about Bass Reeves. Lawman Bass Reeves, you guys, go check that out as well. Um, Paramount Plus series. So, mm-hmm. you got to talk about this because you were basically, we won't give to, unless, uh, I think they're about like, uh, I want to say six or so episodes in. So I don't want to do too much in case people yeah, haven't somewhere seen around it. There. Somewhere around there. <laughs> you know, something something going on around in there. We don't want to give you guys too much because I don't want to spoil it. People like, you done told me the whole series. Now I got to go watch it. <laughs> but um, you guys, basically, we're talking about, it's, it's centered around the first U.S. Marshal in the 19th century. And I just want to know, Lonnie, for you, I just think it's so interesting, you know, when you can kind of do that. Essentially, they put you in a time machine. They took you back. Like, we're talking hair, the clothes, you know, everybody would love to avoid that racism. But, hey, you got to bring people to truth, the realness. That's what it is, you know, in that time period. How was that? Like, I just want to know, like, any kind of cool behind the scenes stories you got? How was the kind of, like we said, jump into that time machine? I'm going to let everybody know right now, every single part of filming it was just phenomenal. Just 
an insane experience. I've never even, I didn't even hear about Bass Reeves until this project was brought to me. I wasn't, I didn't learn about him in school. I didn't know about him any type of way. And when I first heard about him, I was like, what? This is my first time hearing about this? Oh my God, he's a legend. It was just, it was so insane. And then with the hair, the hair that they did to me, my hair is actually really long. So they put pins in my hair. So my hair would be, so my hair would be kind of shrunk down. So they pinned it down. Man. Yeah, I was wondering how they did the hair. Because I was like, you got the cute little like afro from back in the day. I was like, they <laughs> pin all that down. Because if you if they, if they people looked at pictures and see your hair, I was like, how did they get all that done? But you know, hey, oh, the, like we're man. talking about the magic of the camera, right? The magic of the behind the scenes. The magic scene. of the camera, riding on the riding on the wagon when I was bringing it. Oh, I, I ain't even going to spoil too much. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. You know I know. About. I know. Yeah, it was and just, then... yeah, I, it's hard for me. Like, I'm going to have to have you back because it's hard for me not to. I want to go into detail. But like I said, we don't want to spoil it for anybody because I want people to be able to go and check it out and see how you enter because i was surprised to see you come into the series so um i just can't wait for people to check it out but yeah so that's a good time i just had to ask you about that because i'm like you know sometimes it's like when you got the black character you take a back in the day you like now come on now we already dealing with enough right now we got to go back we got a time jump so i had to ask you about how that was to go back a little bit oh yes man and you know arthur my the character that i play it's um it's definitely is he's definitely a character because um not trying to give away too much but you know he's an orphan he doesn't have anybody right, yeah and with Sally Sally has people to back her up and she has she has family and Arthur has nobody standing on his shoulder telling him that it's okay oh I have your back <laughs> yeah Arthur's alone so I feel like with his story he's really just trying to figure out what to do and after the certain situation that does occur, you know what situation I'm talking about. The certain mm -hmm. situation that does occur, I feel like he really loses his mind <laughs> because yeah. he has no idea where to go, who to talk to, what to do. So he tries to flee the scene. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, that's all. And I can't, and I'm hoping like you guys, I'm hoping something after the flee. That's all I'm gonna say. I ain't gonna say nothing else, but I'm hoping. Ooh, um, better stay tuned. I know. I can't wait. That's why I'm excited to talk to you. I was like, I can't wait. Even though I know we can't say anything because we want to keep it tight and make sure everybody go check it out and, you know, do them clicks and watches and rewatch it so we can have more about this. Because, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I had never heard about, you know, this 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 first Black U.S. Marshal. I was like, where was I reading at? Where was I at? Why did exactly. I know about this? If I would have known about him before, I probably would have been looking up to him. <laughs> right. I probably yeah. would have been looking up to him. I feel like a lot of people really need to hear this story. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. It's it's a historical legend. I mean, he's a legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you guys definitely go check that out on Paramount Plus. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing. Like, I gotta say, we gotta have you back because it was like so many things I was gonna say, but I was like, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it to the people because <laughs> I want them to go and, and check it out. Okay, so let's switch gears here before we get in trouble. Let's talk about the singing. Cause I heard you're getting into the studio a little bit. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, so tell, ooh, I like that. I like that response. So tell us what it's like. Like, okay, so what's the biggest difference, right? Okay, you step into <laughs> you're not on the sound stage anymore, right? Doing mm -hmm. your doing the TV show, doing your thing on film. You in an actual booth recording, like getting ready to record, work on an album. What is the first thing that hit you? Like, what was the first thing that shocked you about it? Well, hmm. I'm gonna say this. I have always, always loved music. And I used mm -hmm. to I used to try to make music on my own. Uh, like throughout the years but it didn't really go well because I wasn't doing it how I really should have been doing it mm -hmm. but 
now I'm in Austin. I moved to Texas. I'm under mentorship by shout out Nick Trice and shout out Ocean Wave Studios. They've helped me okay. a lot on this journey. Mm-hmm. But I'm under mentorship by Nick Trice right now. He's an engineer and a producer. And everything I'm I'm pushing out to make, I'm I'm pushing to produce myself. I've produced every I have four songs out right now. I've produced every single one of them. Um, producing everything else that I hop on. And I really want to make sure that somewhere in the future, I can get my music and my acting to merge. And I want my music to be in the TV shows and in the movies I act in and TV shows I'm not even in and movies I'm not even in. And I also want to be a music supervisor so I can choose the, um, you know, the sounds and all the little different components that go into making the TV show and the movies. That'd be See, that's where it is. That's dope right there. Just to have that behind the scenes stuff like you don't want to just leave it in front of the camera you got to be able to do so many different things these days and i think that's just amazing that's awesome thank you thank you thank you i'll definitely push it i'm working hey listen we ready to hear it so keep pushing hopefully we we can't wait for it to drop to check it out because i'm sure it's gonna be dope okay let's wrap everything up with um you're welcome let's wrap everything up with okay you don't when you're not acting when you're not in the booth working on your album working on music what do you like to do? What are you doing in your free time? What what should people know about Lonnie that they would be curious to know about? <laughs> mm, that is a really good question. Um, to be honest, watching movies, <laughs> watching movies, <laughs> mm, watching movies with my family, hanging with mm-hmm. my family, playing the video game. I okay. Mean, making a five-star meal when i'm hungry you know i'll be shuffling up in the kitchen um and i honestly listen to music all day most of the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i well you you had so you lost me after the five star and the music see i was with you i was like <laughs> yep that sounds like me i'll be looking at the movies you know chilling with family you know trying to get into some video games but after the, the five-star meal no i'd be hey, burning over here so hey, you lost I me be... so, you, so you killing it with that <laughs> thank you well, that's all we got, Lonnie. If I don't know if there's anything, I know like you, you gotta keep it, you gotta keep it close to the vest. I don't know if there's anything you can plug or say, but if you want to wrap anything up as we kind of end here, you're welcome to. Well, hey, listen, everybody go watch how I learned to fly right now. Still out in theaters, coming out on stars in February. Um go watch Bass Reeves on Paramount Plus right now. Working on the album, album coming soon. Everybody go tune in. Better stay, better stay, better stay tuned. Hey, he didn't. He said it, you guys, not me. But I want to say it too. He is fantastic. You guys go check out Lottie. I'm so excited Thank for where you. he's going next. Got about like you know, he got he got to the projects. He tried to pretend like he not busy, but it's just it's just going hit <laughs> after hit, you know. And he not letting the foot off the gas. So you guys keep an eye on him. Thank you so much, Lonnie. I appreciate the time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Welcome to the Black Gunners Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I'm joined by comedian, actor, and writer, Dina Hashem. And you know what? I I was so excited to talk to her because, first of all, her special is called Dark Little Whispers. And I don't know what this says about me, but I had to click play. I was like, I have to check this out. But she's also, once you watch it, you also know, uh, figure out why she's known for like this deadpan delivery and nuanced observations. And she had me figuring out, like, why when I go get wine, have I not noticed how aggravating it is, the questions they asked me. It was just like so many things going through my head. And I was like, I have to have Dina on to talk to her. Speaking of which, Dina, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you for all the nice things you just said. 
You're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Um, I just love how it's so different, your stand-up special. It's so, I feel like it's giving women like a whole different kind of voice where you could be like laid back, calm. Maybe you're not feeling it that day, but it's a show that everybody can kind of take in and um, and really gain something from. But before we really kind of dig into it, I kind of just want to know for people that aren't familiar with you, where did comedy start for you? Like, when did you notice you were funny? You started getting a reaction out of people and you're like, okay, I got something. Let me keep going with it. I've never felt that way. Um, I No, I really, people think I'm lying when I say this, but I got into stand-up completely accidentally. Like it, I feel like in the special, I kept trying to justify why I was even there. Cause like, I mean, thank you for saying that like my delivery is very chill and laid back, which is an optimistic uh, uh, interpretation. Whereas I, I just look at, I keep looking at my fucking clips. On, oh, okay, I can curse. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you can get it. So uh, let me answer your original question. I'm sorry. I was going off on a tangent. Um, I started in college and um, it was a contest, a stand-up contest. And my friend was doing it and I just decided to do it too. But I still don't remember why. The only reason I can come up with is that I had a little bit of a crush on him because I had no other interest in doing stand-up ever in my life, ever, or being on stage or performing, like never, ever did I ever want to do that. Yeah, so. it was, uh, well, so why do you feel like, I think, I guess you said it was more optimistic way of putting it, but it kind of felt like, okay, when you first enter the, the open up for the special, uh, Dark Little Whistles, by the way, you guys go to Amazon Prime Video, check it out, watch it, you can chalk it out right now, you can have a watch party with your friends, which you need mm -hmm. to do. So go check it out and click on it. But you open up and you say, okay, guys, usually I come across very tired, upset. I'm confused. You guys are throwing off my vibe. But I mean, to me, that was like, that was cool. It was something different because most people open up with like, you know, they're going to start right away with their jokes. They're not going to really be honest about, okay, I'm, I'm kind of here. This is my personality. Do you accept it or you don't? Well, yeah, I guess it's like a, I mean, there's two ways of interpreting, which is either you're cool with it and you think it's cool, like thankfully that you do. And I hope that there are people who agree with you. Then there's the other side of like, I look at like the clip comments because Sam Morell is a, is a great comedian. He produced a special, so he's yeah. posting clips and stuff. So I'm reaching a bunch of people who are, are fans of him, but not necessarily me. And like, it's just the 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 phenomenon of male stand-up uh, audience who just really always want to hate a woman doing it no matter what. And so I also get that perspective of like, this is boring. This isn't comedy. So like there's those two different perspectives of like, oh, this is a different energy or just oh, this is not stand-up. This is this is this is not engaging. Yeah. Whenever they can't put women in the box is a problem. Right. But so I'm I'm just confused about, um, you know, why that's a thing, why, you know, why we can't be different, why we can't step out of the box a little bit. But for you, how do you handle that? OK, you put the special out. First of all, what made you want to call it Dark Little Whispers and just be brave enough? I feel like brave needs to be put in there to put it out, because like you said, you're going to get you could get like a male audience that's like, why is she talking about this kind of stuff? We want to we don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I should say that. Uh, for whatever reason, most of my my fan base also is male. Like, just maybe it's because um I did roast battles and like I had this okay, one. Yeah, yeah. 
I had a clip go viral and like, and someone put on Reddit. So like, I just happened to get like a bunch of male skewing audience members. So I don't mean to hate on men and there's lots of wonderful messages I'm getting from men too. It's just, uh, there's a specific type that really just wants to go after women stand-up comedians right. for whatever reason they feel uh, they uh, have a purchase on it uh, more so than women do for whatever reason. Um, but uh, sorry, what was the original question? <laughs> I was just kind of wanting to know a little bit about, you know, why you call it oh, Dark Little Whispers, it? what oh, got yeah, you yeah. started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I named it that because I just, I went through several names. I never really liked naming the special after a joke because I feel like people are watching it, like listening for when the title is going to come. And I find that distracting or I just didn't like the idea of doing that for whatever reason. So I was just trying to find something that I feel like described the vibe and like, I thought, you know, dark is usually something I use to describe my style when I'm asked whatever that is. And then like little whisper, it was supposed to be dark whispers. And then I was like, that sounds too serious. It sounds like I'm like an emo band. So I threw a little in there and I was like, oh, that's more of the vibe. It's like a little coy. It's a little cute. Yeah. Yeah. It, it tones it down just a little bit when you add in a little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. What? Uh. I'm kind of curious when for you was it uh you did you kind of make the switch to being a comedy writer or is that where you kind of started because I think it's cool that you kind of have that background as well you know with uh different tv shows people that aren't familiar um you did season two of the sex lives of college girls um you've done um the daily show like just so many cool interesting projects what's that like for you you know kind of stepping in that world when you're off the stage for a little bit well, actually, it, writing is really what my home is. Like before doing stand up or getting involved in comedy, I was always writing like poetry and short stories and stuff. Like I was an English major in college. So writing really is at my core more than anything and comes much more naturally to me than performing. So having these writing jobs definitely felt more natural. Although when it comes to writing for TV shows, it's actually not a lot of writing involved, which surprised me. It's more so just talking, which like, oh God, that's not what I'm good at. No, I'm good at writing. <laughs> so like those jobs can tend to be difficult actually. But with The Daily Show, which is where I work now, it's actually a lot more writing heavy, which I like. It's more like sitting at a computer and writing. I mean, it's jokes, not like narrative format, but yeah. still writing. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy with get, getting to do that. And uh, I hope to, I mean, I write my own pilots and stuff like that. So I do hope to continue to like, write things that are not just um stand up because yeah like I said I've always enjoyed just writing long form what um what's the challenge for you when it comes to writing or something that's really like stuck out to you that was kind of something that you had to learn as you kind of kind of grow your writing career or step out more into it um structure has always been a big problem for me like I would write these pilots and then show it to someone they'd be like there's a lot of funny and like well-written things here but what's it about? Like, there's no story, there's no plot. And so learning sort of how to structure things in a way where there's a story that people want to actually follow and pay attention to is something that I had to, like, I learned a little bit through, um, through those jobs and through, I did this thing called the Sundance Writing Lab. And that was extremely helpful with actually breaking down scene structure, um, which is stuff. I generally just love writing dialogue. I always just want to dive into what people are saying. That's the most interesting thing to me. So um, learning structure, definitely something I still am learning and had to learn through those those jobs. Yeah, it's definitely not something easy to do, which is why I'm glad they got the writer thing together. The strike is over. Everything is good to do because <laughs> that's stuff that is it's a lot harder when people have to think about writing in a structure. Like you said, it's one thing like taking your conversation, putting it in something else. 
to to actually make it uh, flow appropriately. Um, I guess, you know, now that it's out, um, going back to Dark Little Whispers, what are you excited for? You know, I, like you said, there's going to be, everybody has an opinion. There's going to be a mixture of comments, you know, but what are you excited for that you hope people take away? I know me as a woman, I was taken away. I love just the the raw, like the energy of it, the way you weren't afraid to just go for it. Like, you know, it kind of felt like you were having that conversation with your friend, your girlfriend. And she's like, well, let me just tell you, you know, I happen to go to the sex shop and do you just sex shop? And did you know that they have like the customer service is pretty good? You know, like <laughs> it just felt like a conversation that was rolling off. So I'm just kind of curious what you hope people, you know, either they learn something about you or just in general take away from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of that stuff is autobiographical. I mean, like I embellish a few things, but for the most part, it's all pretty true to life. So anyone who watches it just can get a vibe for my story. Um, right. But I hope that people just, I mean, I was really nervous. The truth is I was nervous to tape it. And when I watch it, I see myself being nervous on stage. So like when I'm just doing a regular like live stand-up show in the city, like my energy actually is different. It's still pretty low key, but like I have more fun. Like I, I think I visibly uh, have started having more fun on stage and that doesn't come across in the special probably, I don't think. So I guess I want people to know, like see the, like the core story and see the writing ability and like hopefully they want to see more and come out to a live show or if someone, you know, cool in the industry is watching and wants to tag me in to write something, that would be incredible. And um uh yeah so I guess those are some things I hope for yeah I like this it's interesting that you feel that it doesn't look like you're having fun because you have these <laughs> moments where I feel like you start laughing after you say the joke <laughs> oh I do like, actually yeah and everybody in the that, audience kind of <laughs> you hate that whoops that was one of my favorite parts because I was like she just started like going out laughing like you'll ask I don't know you ask somebody something about like family or children or something and they just started like that the reaction was just kind of like yeah that's I oh know, yeah right. I generally don't like, I don't like when comedians laugh at their own jokes. And I typically feel like I don't do that, which makes stand up very funny, interesting. It's like, there's a room full of people laughing, but there's one person who's not laughing. That's That's the person on stage, which I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to laugh at your own jokes. But I did, I haven't, you brought this up though. And I haven't actually asked the comedian this. So you do go back and watch your own stand up. Cause I I was always wondering, like, do people have like, did you have like a watch party or if your friends come over, like it's happened to be on Amazon Prime and here's my special. Oh you my have, god! You no. Do this? You don't no, do that's this? my okay. nightmare. Number number one, I hate watching myself. I don't do it. It makes me okay. A worse okay. Com- okay. Yeah, it makes me a worse comedian because I don't go back and watch myself. Um, but the special was like I had. It's the most I've had to watch myself in my entire life. I had to watch that fucking like fifteen times, and by I was like getting body dysmorphia. I was like, you, you don't want to have to watch yourself that much. It's really yeah. not healthy. It's like when we were yeah. all on Zoom during the pandemic. It's like you shouldn't be staring at yourself that much um so no I don't like that and no no watch party that's my nightmare my friend actually held a watch party at at his apartment and he facetimed me from it saying we're about to start watching I'm like oh my god I wish I could be there to hang out with you but I would never want to be in the room watching people watch my special so yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty funny I've never asked me I've always wondered if you guys like because you know you have to get people to you know in the seats to watch it to check it out but I always wonder if that's that cringe factor like you said to go back and actually listen to the jokes to kind of watch, like you oh. said, having to rewatch and check it out. Like, oh, maybe I should say this joke differently next time or something like that. I mean, most comics hate it. Most of the ones I know hate it. But there are, I mean, I won't say the name, but there's a story of a comedian <laughs> sitting at a 
sitting somewhere and like had yeah. their earbuds in and they were listening back to their own set and laughing, like laughing back at their own jokes, which is just like so ick. Like I yeah. can't imagine yeah. Yeah. listening or watching to yourself and not feeling anything but disgust. Like that's what a comedian should be, just disgusted with themselves at yeah. all times. Well, listen, you were bringing a little disgust. You're bringing a little <laughs> laughter at the right moments. You were like, okay, guys, you're here to get a show. This is what I have to offer. I like the hoodie that you had on. It was all working for me. Thank you so much. That's so cool. <laughs> um, what do you, what can you tease that you guys, did you have coming up next? Um, Lambie, I know it's one, uh, number one, Happy Family USA. You're working on that. Um, how is that going into like, you get to voice different characters. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, voice acting is something I actually have always wanted to do. And so uh, I have I've had this a couple opportunities. One of them is, yeah, this character Lammy on Rami Yusuf's um, upcoming Amazon cartoon. Um, and it just really couldn't be more of a perfect character for me. It's a I don't know if I can give the spoiler, but well, oh, we don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, well, it's a lamb and like it's very, it's personality matches mine. I, I'll just say that. And so, it, yeah. I just saw some like footage of the like my voice put to the animation and it's just such a magical feeling of like hearing yourself come out of this animated creature like I really love it and so um yeah there's a couple other um my voice will be on a couple other things look out for a show called string theory coming out online I'll, I'll be voicing a couple things on that um and and uh yeah I like it. I like it, guys. Dark Little Whispers out now. Amazon Prime. Get your subscription. Then go check it out. Watch it a couple times. Have a watch party, but don't tell Dina about it. It's it's all good. Just go <laughs> check it out. <laughs> yes, please. Dina, thank you so much for letting me dig into the comedian world and just hang out with you for a little bit. Thank you. That was so much fun. I appreciate it. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.